mindfulness mode. Whenever I've been in a situation where I found myself in a rut or in a dark place or a crappy experience, acceptance has been the key to taking the next step to moving forward. Reach new heights of calm, focus, and happiness right here on Mindfulness Mode with me, your host and Mindfulness Life Coach, Bruce Lankford. Hey, Mindful Tribe. We have talked about bridges before, but it's been a while. And I'm with a guy that builds bridges between worlds. He builds bridges between people and cultures, and he leverages technology and the spoken word and the written word. And he's written a book that I'm very impressed with. It's, it's right here. It's called The Seven Laws of Mindful Living. And wow, do I love this book. The subtitle is A Soul Manual by Vernon T. Foster II. And I have Vernon T. right here with us right now. Hey, Vernon, are you in mindfulness mode today? I am, Bruce. I am. Well, I am so excited to finally talk to you because uh, we've been going to do this for a while. And uh, so I finally get a chance to connect directly with the man, <laughs> the man behind the words of this book. So what does mindfulness mean to you, Vernon? Uh, mindfulness to me is awareness. It's It really comes down to self-awareness because in order to... In order to do anything, in order to achieve anything, you really have to know where you're at and who you are. And I, I believe that comes down to self-awareness. Yeah, I totally agree. Well, you've been through some dark times and you've shared some of that stuff. Would you share with our audience some of the, some of the challenges that you've been through and how you moved through them to the other side? Ah, yeah. Where do I start? <laughs> it's kind of the thing. You know, I, I'd say kind of early on, uh, one of the things that, uh, you know, I unfortunately had to experience was the, the passing of my father. Uh, yeah. I was two years old. He died aboard the USS Stark. Um, the ship was actually attacked when it was in the Persian Gulf, and that was in mm -hmm. 1987. So I was born into um, a family that uh, a, a great man was there, and he was the rock, and immediately that was taken away. And mm -hmm. you can imagine my mom being a, a, a mother of five kids and what she had to endure. Yeah. And so from that moment, uh, I started to, to learn resilience. You know, that's the, the awareness of knowing your father is not around and you're not going to be able to play catch and all those things that, you know, you, you have in your adolescence. I was I was robbed of those things, you know. Yeah. Yeah. And there was a lot of people that. Uh, you know, came into my life, thankfully, whether that be mentors, coaches, I grew up playing sports, and that really helped ground me. Uh, mm -hmm. Had I not had those people who poured into my cup and believed in me and <laughs> were patient with me, uh, I don't think I would be the man I am today. And so, were you embittered because of this, do you think, Vernon, as you grew up? You know, Bruce, I, you know, I talk a lot about self-awareness, and, and I, I, I didn't, for for a very long time, I didn't think it bothered me. Yeah, it's just like, hey, it is what it is. And you know, as I've gotten deeper into my spiritual practice and understanding the impact of our youth and the things that the trauma, you know, and how we um, how that shows up in other areas of our life, in relationships, in our body, uh, I can say that 
yeah, it's it's definitely and it's impacted me, and I'm I'm still unpacking those things, uh, and and I didn't realize it until I got later. I think later stages in life, and um, you know, I think one of the biggest things that I had to overcome was, you know, the fear of not being able to be around for my kids, right? Like, mm-hmm. what if I have kids and and I leave them? You know, that's so that was a big, big, big fear of of creating a family and starting a family. And how many kids do you have, Vernon? I don't have any yet. (laughs) I I wasn't sure. I didn't think you did. I I don't have any yet. But uh, just the the idea of putting setting myself up for that. Right. I I avoided, uh, you know, the, the. the, the intimacy to be able to create that right the yeah. the foundation I, I i self-sabotaged a lot of my relationships uh because i didn't want to be a parent i didn't i didn't want to go down that road because right. i was do you afraid. think that was one of your biggest fears in your life uh, no i don't i think one of my i, th- I think that was a big hurdle. I, th- I think the biggest fear in my life was accepting who I was and the things that have ha- have happened to me and knowing that those things don't determine who I am. You know, mm. What was ha- it about yourself that you had the hardest time accepting? <sighs> Man, uh, it's heavy. Uh, being, being, being molested uh, when I was 15, I, I think mm. that was the hardest that was hardest thing to accept. Oh, wow. And so because of that, you felt as though your value had been eroded. Is that, is that yeah. kind of true? Yeah. Oh, yeah. wow. And did that go on for some time? Was it a one-time thing? Tell us what, what happened. Yeah. Uh, it was, uh, you know, it, it was a situation that happened uh, when I was 15, there was alcohol involved, um, mm. a friend's uncle. And, um, you know, in that moment, what I decided about myself was that I was dirty, that I was, that I no one would ever love me for who I truly was. And I had to wear a mask. And I wore that mask for 20 something odd years. You know, I never talked about it. I never no, people didn't know, you know, and I, I got really yeah. good at hiding behind this character that I created. Um, and it was all out of, it was, it was, it was love, you know, the root of it was love. If, if, if I show who I am or people know, and I'm found out, then they won't love me. Uh, yeah. And how did that mask finally come off? <laughs> a lot of work, a lot of, a lot of work. So and it was the, the actual work that you mm-hmm. set out to do. Mm-hmm. Was it about vulnerability? Vulnerability, vulnerability, being able to accept that, that situation, although that happened, it doesn't define me and being, and, and being vulnerable enough to share that, right? Being mm-hmm. vulnerable enough to say this is what happened to me and it doesn't define who i am and i'm sharing it with you not for 
and not not for you to you know to to feel bad for me but for you to know that i'm okay and that um i i even through this i can i can make it even through this i can still show up in the world and and live my truth how old were you when you found out you were okay and you were able to move forward with that peace this is recent man like would i'd say last year really yeah i thought so yeah last year i thought so and tell us about the day you decided to write the book yeah so it's it's interesting because um a lot of this the book preceded a lot of this but the the book was it came at a point when i was i was at a really low in my life and i and nothing was working i was on the eve of my 30th birthday uh, my business was sputtering and I had moved back in with my mom in my childhood home. And mm-hmm. I just, I felt like a failure. I felt like I had done all of these things and they just, nothing was working. My relationship, I, I just had ended a bad relationship that it was a great relationship, but it didn't end, you know, as, as I expected, you know? Mm-hmm. And so there was all of this, 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 my life was kind of, you know, uh, falling apart uh in the sense and so i did the only thing that i knew i could do in that moment and was to to write about it just to write about my experience to every day i would get up i would do yoga i would meditate and then i would write for 90 minutes um and i did that consecutively for about three months and at that end of the three months, I had the raw materials of, of what became the seven laws of mindful living. On page 100, and, I think it's 128, you say how to practice letting go. And then you've, you've written about letting go. That's one of the single most challenging things that my clients deal with when I help people in this world. In your own words, tell us how to let go. How did you find the answer? It's different for everybody. I'll say that. Um, you know, for me, it was it was two things. It was understanding that if I kept pushing the dumpster of my past into all the people that I loved, into all the things that I was doing, you know, I was never going to be able to achieve or create the life that I desired. And the other piece was just really accepting me for who I am, despite all the trauma, drama, the stinking thinking, and just loving myself. It, it all comes back to love. And when you love yourself, you, you, you're, able to, you're able to start the healing process and move forward. Vernon, what did your mother teach you about mindfulness? <laughs> she taught me a lot of things. I don't know if she taught me mindfulness. Uh, maybe resilience, which is, I think, a form of mindfulness, right? Uh, such a resilient woman. Uh, you know, I shared earlier about my father and how, uh, you know, she had to raise five kids on her own. And yeah. uh, she is one of the strongest, bravest, most, she's five foot nothing, but she'll she'll kick you in the face <laughs> if you cross her wrong and and she's just she's tough she's tough as nails and 
And she showed me that no matter what happens in life, you can still get up, dust yourself off and keep going. And what about your siblings? How have they helped you through this journey or not? Yeah. yeah. Um, well, I would say, you know, in my, in my younger years, uh, you know, I, I, I was the baby of the family. And so for me, it was, I was always kind of getting my way. And I think that kind of created some tension with my yeah. older siblings. Mm-hmm. Um, they had to kind of take on more leadership roles and, and do things. And I kind of was able to get away with things and have more fun. But my brother in particularly, and I love my sisters. They're amazing. Um, we have a great relationship. We've we've started to work through, you know, the things that uh, we, we we had to work through. But my brother was a pseudo father figure. He always paved the way for me and showed me what what was possible, whether that be in sports or whether that be in his career or his faith. Um, now with his family, he has an amazing family of 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 uh, four beautiful kids. And so he was always the guiding light. He was always the person I could look to and aspire and say, okay, that's an example of what's possible if you're willing to grow up and be a man. Vernon, as you sit here right now, what is the most impactful thing you've done in your life that you're most proud of that you can share? The most impactful thing that I've done has been writing this book, writing this book and putting it out into the world. I've done a lot of things. Um, you know, I've, I've been a creator, entrepreneur, DJ, uh, but this book, it was, it was very, it was a very vulnerable thing to put a piece of myself out there. And what I found was that when I'm willing to go first, people, and say hey i'm not alone and i think to me that's that's what everybody's looking for everybody's looking to feel like they're not alone feeling the love and being able to give and receive love so this is the gift that i've been able to gift to the world and that's what i'm most proud of today wow well it's a beautiful gift and i have to tell you that by reading the book I feel like I know you, but this is only the first time we've ever met. <laughs> but but it's it's a it's a strange feeling. It's like, oh my gosh, I can't wait to talk to Vernon. And I feel like you're a friend. I feel like I know so much about you. Tell us about the subtitle, a soul manual. Why did you decide on this subtitle? That was that was a kind of a last minute thing. And and I think what happened was I was like, what is this thing? Like what, how do you sum this up into what it is? And it's, it's, um, it's, it's the instruction manual or the freedom manual, the mindfulness manual for life. Anybody can take this book and take uh, principles from it, apply it to their life or create their own and allow them to, to live from a place of their true self, their authentic soul. And that's why I became the soul manual. Mm. Yeah, I want to talk about the cover because the cover is so, I don't know, I just love it. I think it's beautiful. <laughs> I think it's it has an impact in, in making a statement that is completely uh, connected to the statements that you make in the book. Did you create the cover? Did someone else? Tell us about that. 
Uh, no, actually, um, I had it uh, handmade. I had it created. Um, she drew it. Her name is uh, Samela. Um, is she a friend she, of yours? She she is. A, we actually met in a uh, we met through a program actually a, a year ago. Uh-huh. And, um, you know, I had saw some of her work and I said, you know what? The most two of the and I know you, you're a rav, uh, avid reader and two of the most inspiring works um, that I took inspiration from were the four agreements and the alchemist. So if you look at those covers, you can probably see some inspiration or similarities in that. I definitely can. <laughs> yeah. And so it's just completely created out of her, just her vision, her creativity. Yeah. yeah she, that none of that was, you know, fonts that you go and you get from Unsplash or any of these programs. She right. put her heart and soul into that. And, and I felt that, that's what this needed it it needed it needed the love it needed the creative expression of someone that was artistic and uh she was a yoga teacher for several years she's an artist like it's she was able to take the words on the pages and formulate them into something that expressed uh the the fundamentals of, of what I was trying to say through her art. And, and I think it's beautiful. I think it's beautiful too. I really agree with you there. I want to talk about the global movement in your, in your bio. One of the sentences is little did Vernon know nor envision that his lifestyle would serve as a catalyst for creating a global movement. Let's talk about that global movement. What's it look like? So it's, it's, it's people living from their truths, right? So many times, and I talk about this a lot in the book, we've been given a template by some old dead guy on how to live our lives, you know? And that doesn't work for everyone. No. And what we've seen over the last year with this is this, this, this pandemic is that, hey, like maybe the things that are in place and the things that worked several years ago aren't working. So it's up to us to create our own personal philosophy. It's up to us to excavate and go deep and understand where we're self-sabotaging, where we're lacking love. What do we need? And that's the movement. It's, it's people that are committed to pursuing play, passion, purpose, and doing it in a way that serves them and adds value to the world whatever that gift may be, everybody has that gift. And that, and, and when we do that, I think the world becomes a better place because you have less hatred, you have less guilt, you have less shame. You have people living from their authentic soul. And that's what I want to see more of. So that's the movement. Oh, that's, that's great. Vernon, speaking of gifts, you have this gift of this incredibly buttery, beautiful voice that's just amazing has <laughs> that you. ever has that ever held you back has that ever been a, a detriment because it only seems like it could be a positive but has have you ever had a challenge because of your your voice i i think in terms of you know being behind the microphone um no i i, I don't i don't think i have i don't think i've i think it there's been times where I've doubted that. Like people have been like, oh man, you have a great voice. And 
and I haven't been able to to accept that. And I've been mm. like, no, 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 no. You're just saying that because you're being nice. So I, I I think that's probably the only thing that I've. It hasn't been a detriment. It's been it's been a thing that I've grown to learn to accept as a part of one of my gifts. Whereas before I would kind of push it away and be like, no, you're just saying that because you're being nice. Have you ever thought of doing a podcast? I, I've done a few podcasts in the past, but um, nothing has ever stuck. I'm actually doing, uh, finishing the audiobook version of the, the Seven Laws of Mindful Living right now. And uh, that was, I got a lot of, a lot of friends and supporters saying that uh, if I did an audiobook, they would actually read my book, <laughs> but they wouldn't read the physical copy. Oh, yeah. So I went to uh, record an audiobook, which is a completely yeah. different skill set. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, I, I enjoy listening to audi audiobooks as well, and I'm sure that listening to your audiobook will be phenomenal. Tell us about the topic of bullying. I want to know if you've ever been bullied or if you've ever... Maybe, you, maybe you've been a bully. Yeah. I always ask a question about this and whether mindfulness would have made a difference if you had been more connected mindfully. Totally, totally. And, um, you know, unfortunately, and I'll be 100% honest, I, I have bullied people. I was a bully. Um, I was that jock, you know, I, and I also got bullied. You know, being, <clears throat> being a, <clears throat> excuse me, being a brown kid, in a predominantly, you know, white co college community, um, middle school, right? I, I was bullied. Whether I was bullied in a lot of ways, but I was also a bully. And I, and I, I can only speak for myself, right? I'll take full responsibility for that. But a lot of what I did was to, I was lashing out. I was angry. I was hurt. I didn't feel like I belonged anywhere. Mm. And a lot and 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 in my experience of this is that when you're hurt when you're angry you lash out you treat people badly you do things um out of out of spite either to get attention or to get love that's the root that's the root of it so mindful being mindful having mindfulness would have allowed me to understand the root of where those things were coming from and not take out that anger and frustration on other people but learn how to work through it Right. Yeah, that makes sense. So you you spoke at Podcast Movement, is that right? Yes. What did you speak about? Tell us. <laughs> yes, I spoke about uh, uh, it was I used the 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 Mike Tyson uh, I think Evander Holyfield fight uh, as as kind of the 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 staging, but essentially it was about getting knocked down and getting back up and. If you go back and you watch that fight uh, of Evander Holyfield and Mike Tyson, it looks like he's out. He, he's he's down for the count. And Rhett, when the uh, official says, you know, does the final count, he jumps up, he gets back up, and and he wins that fight. It's it's one of the most iconic, uh, you know, fight, uh, you know, fights in, in in boxing history. And I use that analogy because. I'd, I've been knocked down so many times, Bruce. I mean, it's it's unfathomable that's, uh, that I can stand here or sit here with you today, given what I've experienced. But it's it's if you can just get back up, if you can just find some inkling of strength, courage to get up, you can you can win. 
you, it's the David versus Goliath story, right? It's humans are very resilient people. Yeah. And we forget that sometimes. Uh, and sometimes you may need somebody to come lift you up and, or pour into your cup because your cup's empty. But we are resilient. And if we just remember that, we can get back up. Um, that, that will serve us. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Tell us about the, the sport that you resonate with the most. I know you've been an athlete your whole life. What sport do you love? I grew up playing football, so I, if I if I didn't say football, my coach would smack me across the head. <laughs> football taught me a lot of principles. Uh, it was it was a fantastic game. I would say lacrosse though holds a special place in my heart because of an experience that I had going from uh, eighth grade into my freshman year. I actually had a 1.8 GPA and I couldn't play football with these guys I had played, I had spent like the last 10 years playing sports with these guys and I couldn't play football with them because I had a, uh, my GPA wasn't high enough. So I had a coach, my, he was actually my English teacher who taught me how to actually write and enunciate and to, to use these words. I, I can credit a lot of my, my ability to speak from him, but he said, Hey, there's this game called lacrosse. Uh, you want to try out for it and it'll, you know, you can stay in shape in between the football season or, and I didn't know what the heck I was getting into. Yeah. And he was like, Hey, look, you can take this stick and you can smack people with it. And I was like, all right, I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> that sold you. That I was sold. I was, I was like sold. I was like, I got to get some frustration and anger out of not making the football team. And, uh, you know, poor kid, whoever he was the first game that I ended up running out on the field and just smacking across the head with a stick. But I learned that's not what you do and that's not how you play the game at all. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> at all. And, and, but it, but it, it, it held a special place in my heart because it was kind of that thing that saved me. It was the mm. game that saved me. And, and as I started to learn about the game and the, the, the natives, um, you know, the native people, created this sport this this game i won't call it a sport because it's a game and, and the tradition behind it and mm -hmm. um how tribes would play against each other and it was it was it was i i, I learned to appreciate the the history and the origins of where that game came from a lot more than i did football and so, I guess, you know, it's Canada's national game. Canada's national game. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yeah. We're proud of that. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. What, do, what has football taught you about mindfulness? Man, so many things. You know, one of the, one of the biggest things uh, I think football taught me is team. Mm -hmm. learning to learning to get along with others learning to respect differences i mean in a locker room you have people from all different walks of life you have the guys that grew up on the farm you have the city boys you have the suburban kids right and and what's beautiful is that all these people can come together from different backgrounds and on friday night no matter what their upbringing their religious beliefs you know their background their race whatever on friday night when you strap on that gear and you go out on the field, it's team, it's family. Everybody comes together to achieve a common goal. And so when I look out in the world today and I see the division and all of the chaos and it's you versus them, us, we're that, you're this, it saddens me because I think back to, you know, football is like, 
how were these people able to come together from all different walks of life and races and strap up and go to battle? We would bleed for each other. I would even go to say we would die for each other. And we've lost that. But yeah. that, that's, that's what the game of football taught me. It taught me family. It taught me community. It taught me to, it taught me to, to ex- even though people were different around me and they may have different beliefs and upbringings, I could still accept them for who they are and we could come together to achieve a common goal. Vernon, I want to ask you five quick answer questions. So just 30 second answers are perfect. The first one is this. Who is one person who has been a powerful mindfulness influence in your life? I would say uh, that person would be my brother, Tyrone Foster. Yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. Very good. Number two, let's talk about emotions. How has mindfulness changed how you deal with your emotions? I'm able to recognize something for what it is right if i'm angry oh this is anger if i'm looking at someone i'm judging them oh well that's inside of me that's why i can see it it's given me a toolkit to be able to move through life with a little bit more flow and joy and appreciation tell us how breathing is a part of your mindfulness practice well, breathing is, uh, you, you can't live without breathing. <laughs> True so enough. if you're, if you're not breathing, you're dead. But, um, I do a lot of yoga. Um, yeah. I do a lot of meditation and you know, a lot of these things at the core is to, is the breathing, right? It's yeah. to get you into your body. And when you breathe, it allows, when I breathe, I should say, it allows me to connect and, and recharge. It allows me to get to the root of, of being present. Your book, The Seven Laws of Mindful Living, is a really enjoyable read, and it's very, very informative on the topic of mindfulness. What other book would you recommend that's related to mindfulness? The Four Agreements and The Alchemist. Yeah, those are great books. I'll put them in our show notes at mindfulnessmode.com, Mindful Tribe. And uh, last, what about an app? Is there an app that you would recommend that's related to mindfulness? Yeah, I was thinking about this. Um, I haven't used it recently, but it was it's a really phenomenal app, and they have like some community built into it, but it's called Gratitude Plus. And I know you talk a lot about gratitude, but yeah. Gratitude Plus is a great app. I met the developer um uh, like two years ago here in New York city. And, uh, he's a great human. He's doing some really cool stuff. And it's, um, I think it's really cool because it's the way it's set up. It pings you with an affirmation every morning. And also it just has you write down three things you're grateful for. There's a community aspect in it to where you can see what other people have said they're grateful for. And it kind of allows you to, you know, reconnect and say, wow, if they're grateful for family, you know, maybe I should think about that. Maybe I should. It, it, it kind of creates this awareness around gratitude. And, and that's why uh, I really enjoy that. app. Gratitude Plus. So do you just type in gratitude and then P-L-U-S? Yep. Yeah. Okay. P-L-U-S. And I can, and I can send you the links too. Yeah. And I'll put the link in there anyway in the show notes. Yeah. That's, that's very interesting because I don't think anybody has recommended that app before in my show. So I can't wait to checking it out. I, I think that that sounds really interesting. Well, 
you've done so much. You've written, you've, you've done a lot of different things. Uh, what's next? Are you writing another book? What have you got on the agenda? Yeah, that's a, that's a, that's a great question, Bruce. I appreciate you asking. So uh, what's next is that I'm going to be taking these principles because of what I, the feedback I've gotten from the book is great. Um, but I think what happens with personal development and these things is you read it and you consume it and you do it for like a week or it sticks, uh, mm -hmm. but it doesn't last. So I'm taking these principles and turning them into a methodology. The mindful method is what I'm going to be creating and really helping people to not only be able to read about these and study them for a weekend and live them for a week, but live them for a lifetime and also learn how to create their own. Cause it's not a, it's not a just about me and, and what I think other people should do. Part of the movement, as I said, is people being able to dive deep into what their gifts are and what value they want to bring to the world and, and actually going out and doing that. So that's going to be the next evolution of, of uh, the, uh, the mindful, the seven laws of mindful living, the mindful method. Well, the seven laws of mindfulliving.com is your website. And all you have to do is put the number seven, the seven laws of mindfulliving.com. What can we expect to find there, Vernon? Yeah, you can expect to find the, uh, the book if you want to grab a copy of that. Uh, there's the digital, there's the physical, and soon there'll be the audio version, uh, which you'll be able to get on Audible soon. And also, um, I'll link to the bonuses for anybody who grabs the book or they support your show. Um, they go to sevenlawsofmindfulliving.com slash bonuses. There's a lot of bonuses for um, your listeners that I'll just, I'll just hook them up with. Great. Thank you for that. Thank you. Vernon, for anybody listening today, if they've Maybe they're still going through one of those dark times, something like what you went through, and they're just kind of dabbling with the idea of mindfulness, trying to figure out how to make their way. What would your best piece of advice be for them? I know everybody's situation is different, um, and I can speak to what has worked for me. And I think the biggest thing is, you know, the first step is accepting where you're at and that sucks. And that's hard when everything is falling down and, you know, you're losing people, you're losing relationships, you don't have money. The last thing that you want to hear is to say, someone to say, accept where you're at, right? It sounds very mm -hmm. counterintuitive, but when you say, okay, this is where I'm at. This is, I, I don't have, I'm lacking. I need help. When you accept it, the weird thing that happens is that that level of acceptance, it's, it kind of starts to lift the burden a little bit off your shoulders. And you say, okay, I'm not alone. There's other people that are, have been here. I can ask for help. Um, I don't have to be ashamed. I don't have to be, I don't have to feel guilty. So that's the very, it's a, it seems counterintuitive and it seems so simple. But whenever I've been in a situation where I found myself in a rut or in a dark place or a crappy experience, acceptance has been the key to taking the next step to moving forward. Great, great advice, Vernon. Well, thank you very much for being on the show. I'm so grateful to have a chance to talk to you, get to know you and call you a friend. Bruce, thank you. You're, you're a phenomenal interviewer and uh, your body of work is, speaks volumes for, for what, you, what you're doing on this, on this planet, man. I'm, I'm so grateful to be here. Thanks very much, Vernon. Bye now. Cheers. 
Hey, Mindful Tribe, thanks for listening. So good to have you with us as always. And thank you for those reviews. If you've put one on on uh, Apple Podcasts, that's great. And you know what? Maybe this is your day. Maybe this is the day that you can do some of the things that Vernon Foster has recommended and just take action and do what you need to do to make your life the way you want it to be. As you know, Vernon Foster defies convention and he moves forward and takes action. It hasn't always been easy for him, that's for sure. We can tell that. I hope you've enjoyed this interview as much as I did. If you've decided this is your day, this is your day to be inspired by Vernon and to take action, then, you know, reach out to me and we can deal with those mind blocks. We can deal with those challenges that you have going on in your life and we can do it through coaching and with hypnosis. And it really does make a huge difference. It really can help you move forward. So send me an email, bruce at mindfulnessmode.com. Put seven laws into the subject line and I'll know that you heard it on this episode. So I look forward to hearing from you and I'm always inspired inspired by you, Mindful Tribe, my listeners, and especially when you decide to move forward. So take what we've learned today and reach new heights of calm, focus, and happiness. Stay in the mode.